This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. In this podcast, we're going to continue our discussion of nutritional supplements used to improve fitness. They're being promoted to enhance a variety of areas of physical fitness, but today we're going to concentrate on those promoted to enhance our endurance. Our guest once again is Dr. Andrew Jagum, the Director of Sports Medicine Research at the Mayo Clinic. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks again for having me. What are some of the claims that we can hear about nutritional supplements promoted to improve one's endurance? What do they uh, say they can do for that? Oftentimes when we look at the claims associated with dietary supplements with the kind of intent for improving endurance performance, they'll kind of align somewhat like that. You know, taking this can improve endurance by X percent or improve endurance capacity, exercise economy, maybe help tolerate high intensity exercise. So they may kind of make some type of claim or statement associated with some type of immediate impact on performance in what we would call kind of an acute type of time frame where take this product now, you're going to perform better in the next 30 to 60 minutes. Or we may see supplements and then associated claims more along the lines to support training and recovery and kind of the health of the athlete more long term. So taking these particular products or ingredients over the next six to nine months just may help support your overall training as an athlete. So they may not exert that immediate kind of physiological benefit that others may. They're just more along the lines to support overall recovery after training sessions, they may offer some kind of antioxidant type benefits to reduce muscle damage, reduce muscle soreness, or some more kind of health related benefits, helping to support immune system function, reduce risk for upper respiratory infections, or, you know, any of those types of concerns during periods of intensified training. So usually we can kind of tease out, you know, some kind of two generalized strategies or reasons for use within endurance athletes of whether or not they're looking to improve performance in a short-term kind of one-time use type setting, or is this something they're going to be taking routinely over the next several months to kind of help support their regular training efforts. Mm -hmm. So what type of sport or maybe activity would these products potentially help to enhance endurance? What are some sports where endurance is important? So athletes that participate in events like a marathon, triathlons, cycling events, cross-country skiing, any type of event where we're looking at performance durations of minimal 30 minutes, but generally we're talking the 60 minutes and beyond. So two to three hour events, or even some of our extreme ultra distance events that are becoming increasingly popular, like Ironman triathlons or ultra distance races where we're doing hundred mile races. And then even the multi-stage race events. If you think of like the tour de France is one of the kind of highest levels of those types of competition where they're doing 80 to hundred miles for two and a half weeks. And so very, very extreme types of endurance events. So kind of anything between doing something like a half marathon to multi-stage multi-day race events. So what's happening with endurance activities to our muscles and how do these products interact with our muscles to enhance the uh, endurance that we expect? 
I would say the two major kind of metabolic or physiological reasons for use or where these supplements might confer some kind of performance advantage is helping to replenish substrates that are used during that actual endurance event or activity. So as we deplete things like muscle glycogen or some of our high energy phosphate compounds, those are associated with the onset of fatigue. So if we can somehow slow that depletion down or try to replenish them as we're using them, in theory, you would kind of be able to sustain a higher level of force output. And that means maintaining the pace better, doing things like a hill climb better, a late stage push, just having more of those energy reserves there to help support performance in kind of the short term. So there's certain strategies, certain ingredients and products that can kind of help replace or replenish some of those energy substrates as they're being used during competition. And along similar lines, one of the other kind of strategic reasons for use, or sometimes people don't even think of it as a supplement, but things like water or sports drinks, where you're replenishing lost fluids during that event are very, very important. If not the most important thing to do during a long distance endurance event is just making sure that you're maintaining hydration level as best you can, because that might be again, the single biggest reason someone falters at the end of a race is because they're just extremely dehydrated at that point. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes supplement companies or products kind of combine those two. So a lot of times we'll see sports drinks or gels or other types of solutions that have energy replacement ingredients. So carbohydrates, different sugar compounds, maltodextrins, gels and things like that, that are intended to kind of help supplement or replace used muscle glycogen and liver glycogen during that extended race event. And then obviously if it's in fluid form, you're also getting the benefit of replenishing any lost fluids during that race event. And then oftentimes they'll have electrolytes in them as well. So they're helping to replenish potentially lost electrolytes during an extended type of race event. So Things like that are oftentimes kind of multi-purposeful supplements that offer a variety of different benefits for that individual. Before we talk about specific nutritional supplements, let me ask you about nutritional strategies for endurance activities. I recall back when I was in high school, the cross-country team would get a big spaghetti dinner prior to the race. And that's actually the only reason I joined the (laughs) cross-country team. I, I hated the running. I love the meal. But what about nutritional things that we can do to enhance our endurance? What are some of those things? There are a lot of different nutritional strategies that are now employed by athletes. And oftentimes they're working with some type of sports dietitian or sports nutritionist to kind of help formulate that plan for them. I mean, again, it's kind of making sure that they're eating a enough energy or enough food to help support the type of training and activity that they're doing. If we look at the energy expenditure of some of these race events, or even the type of training that's involved, these individuals could be burning 5,000 to 7,000 calories a day. So it's a lot, a lot of energy output that needs to be replaced with energy in. So making sure that the athlete is eating enough foods to support that level of training And then getting into kind of specific nutrient ratios. So making sure they're getting adequate amounts of carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and certainly vitamins and minerals will be important in there as well. But the strategy that you mentioned is kind of what's referred to as carbohydrate loading, where you're trying to kind of super compensate muscle and liver glycogen stores as much as possible 
generally the day or a couple of days before a big race event so that you're kind of going into that event with your gas tank or your glycogen stores really as high as you can get them. And so whether or not it, it translates to performance benefits, it kind of depends. A lot of it will depend on the actual event itself. I remember doing that strategy as well for basketball games back in mm -hmm. high school. And I doubt any high school basketball player is fully glycogen depleted at the end of the game. But the night before a triathlon, you know, that might be a successful or a more successful strategy because yeah, they probably will be near glycogen depleted at the end of that triathlon event. So it very much depends on the specific event itself. And then even just the regular dietary habits of that individual or athlete. So if there's someone who follows a low carbohydrate diet or doesn't routinely get higher amounts of carbohydrates in the diet, carbohydrate loading the day before or a few days before likely will make a pretty big impact on their performance. Whereas someone who routinely gets very, very high intake of carbohydrates, there's probably not much room for improvement beyond what they're already doing. So there are, again, various strategies like that where they manipulate dietary intake or the kind of ratio of, of nutrients at certain times throughout a training program or even in the days before and even the day of a competition to really kind of set that athlete up for success and just making sure they have the right fuel available for when they're going to need it. All right. Well, let's talk about some specific supplements now. What are some common supplements that are being promoted to improve endurance? Probably the most popular strategy and supplement of choice will be just the sports drink itself. And again, you can think of that as a supplement or not, but that's going to be the most likely thing that an athlete could take that would make a positive impact on performance. And that's going to be something like a Gatorade, Powerade, body armor. There's all kinds of different versions of these drinks. Um, but that's what we mean when we talk about a sports drink is it's a, a drink that has sugar, electrolytes, obviously fluids in it, but all of those are going to exert some pretty important benefits to that individual during competition. And oftentimes we'll recommend kind of intermixing those with just regular water throughout a, a race event, but that's probably going to be the, the go-to and the most successful supplement or food item that that individual could choose from. Some other popular supplement ingredients that we're starting to see more commonly used by athletes and then also are starting to be pretty well supported within the literature would be substances like caffeine, beta alanine, beetroot juice or nitrate rich compounds. Sodium bicarbonate is oftentimes another one that's recommended for endurance athletes. And each one of those has its own specific mechanism of action and, and kind of physiological rationale as to why it might offer that performance benefit. Caffeine's one that everyone's pretty much well aware of, of what it can do from a stimulatory benefit. So part of the reasons why it's successful in endurance athletes is just the stimulatory effects of caffeine in and of itself. So just the cognitive kind of stimulation that they get can sometimes stave off the onset of fatigue from more of a mental standpoint. And it just kind of helps them overcome the onset of fatigue from more of a, a mental standpoint, but it does also confer some physiological or metabolic benefits as well. So caffeine can actually increase lipolysis and fat oxidation, which means you can kind of slow down the usage of glucose and then also help enhance fat oxidation, which in certain endurance events can help improve exercise capacity as well. So caffeine offers both some mental and kind of more physical related benefits and, and reasons for use there. 
as I kind of go down the list here of some of the other uh, frequently recommended or, or more well-supported ingredients, I think beta alanine and sodium bicarbonate are two ingredients that we generally lump together as buffering type agents. So what these help do is increase either the intra or extra muscular buffering capacity of the body. So as people exercise at, at higher and higher intensities, it creates kind of this acidic environment within the cell and within extracellular fluid that you can kind of help enhance the buffering capacity of the body to help just counteract that acidic environment a little bit. A lot of the metabolic pathways and, and enzymes that are very much involved with energy output or ATP production are inhibited within an acidic environment. So by buffering that during high intensity exercise, in theory, you can continue to exercise or generate a higher force output before that acidic environment can sometimes just lead to the onset of fatigue, or at least kind of force that individual to slow down, slow their pace or whatever the specific event is. One of the other ones that was mentioned were nitrate rich compounds. Beetroot juice is, is one kind of delivery mechanism of those dietary nitrates that's become a lot more popular recently. And those nitrate compounds just help uh, exert this vasodilatory effect during exercise. So we see that inherently anyway, as people begin exercising, it releases more nitric oxide to help open up those blood vessels and increase oxygen delivery, removal of, of metabolites that may accumulate during activity as well. And then with these nitrate rich compounds, you're just kind of adding to that inert physiological mechanism that's already occurring. You're just kind of providing a higher concentration of some of those nitrate compounds to just exert that effect. So again, you're just helping to facilitate that vasodilatory benefit of exercise that naturally occurs. I would say those are the ones, again, that are most commonly used to support training or to exert more of that immediate kind of physiological benefit mm -hmm. to performance in more of an acute setting. And then there's certainly other supplements that are sometimes used in more of a supporting role long-term. So things like protein powders, mm -hmm. creatine, sometimes those types of ingredients will be recommended to help support overall recovery from just periods of intensified training. And then in addition to other more, say, health-focused supplements, for a lack of better terms, uh, certain vitamins and minerals, or even things like probiotics have some supporting evidence so indicating that they may help reduce the risk of upper respiratory infections during you know, periods of really intense training. And they're providing more of an immune-supporting role than a, a performance-enhancing one. So under the argument that if you're less likely to get sick and ill during intense periods of training, you're more likely to perform better as well. So we see those types of ingredients oftentimes recommended for endurance and other types of athletes as well. All right. Can you summarize our discussion by maybe giving us two or three key points of importance? Yeah. So when it comes to endurance performance and endurance specific supplements, the, the same rule of thumb is going to apply here. So making sure that they're following a lot of the key foundations of performance, certainly when it comes to proper training and programming, but then food is going to have a much bigger role on performance outcomes for endurance athletes than it will with other types of athletes. So making sure that they're again, adequately fueling and specifically getting enough 
energy and carbohydrates are likely to be the two biggest food-based recommendations that we'll recommend to an athlete in more of an immediate or acute setting. So making sure they're eating enough, again, the night before, a few days before, certainly getting enough carbohydrates in leading up to competition will really make a big impact on performance and then hydration again as well. So getting that through water or sports strengths is going to have a, a really profound impact on their performance in the short term. Well, we've been discussing nutritional supplements used to enhance our endurance with Dr. Andrew Jagum, Director of Sports Medicine Research at the Mayo Clinic. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week.